You wake up out of a hazy sleep and you're completely paralyzed. There's something heavy sitting on your chest that you can't see, and an eerie sense that someone's in the room with you. Your heart pounds, everything spirals, becoming more and more surreal as you scream silently inside. Is this something from a horror movie scene or from real life? Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Wu. Every week, I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Today, we look at the freaky phenomenon of sleep paralysis, an experience that has inspired ghost stories and alien abduction conspiracies. Fortunately, there's a scientific explanation for why it happens and also ways to prevent it. Different cultures have explained this frightening experience called sleep paralysis in various different ways. In Brazilian folklore, a crone with long fingernails lurks on the roof and tramples on sleepers' chests. In Japanese mythology, vengeful spirits come to suffocate their enemies while they sleep. For Canadian Eskimos, it's the spells of shamans that paralyze a sleeper while giving them vivid hallucinations. And in contemporary American culture, sleep paralysis has taken on the mythology of alien abductions. Sleepers wake up unable to move, seeing or feeling the presence of aliens or at least shadows in the room while experiencing zapping sensations and a feeling of suffocation. But it turns out that all of these symptoms describe sleep paralysis, a sleep disorder or a symptom of a sleep disorder that temporarily alters a person's mobility, perception, thinking, and emotional state during that weird transition stage between sleeping and waking. Sleep paralysis is surprisingly common. Almost 8% of the general population has experienced it at least once. But if you're a student or someone with a psychological diagnosis, your chances of experiencing it goes up to almost one in three. But rest assured, sleep paralysis is usually harmless, especially if it only happens rarely. But why does it happen at all? When should you worry about it? And how can you prevent sleep paralysis? Well, let's start with a little bit of sleep science. The paralysis part of sleep paralysis actually happens every night when you sleep, even though you're usually not aware of it. That's because of a special type of sleep called rapid eye movement or REM sleep. REM sleep is often referred to as a stage of sleep that takes up 20 to 25% of your typical night. It occurs in a few chunks, mostly during the second half of the night. During REM, your brain is very active. The electrical signals from the brain look almost like the signals it has when you're awake. This is also when most dreaming happens, along with a lot of emotional processing that the brain does behind the scenes. But importantly, your body is immobilized during REM. Other than the eyes moving around a lot, hence the rapid eye movement, your muscles lose muscle tone. This is your body's way of preventing you from acting out your dreams, which is a good thing because otherwise you may be running out of the room or punching your bed partner while you sleep. So every night during REM, you are paralyzed while you hallucinate and process emotions. Usually you don't realize this is happening because you're asleep. 
But sometimes, when the veil between sleep and wake becomes really thin, and you find yourself straddling both worlds of wakefulness and REM sleep at the same time, that's where sleep paralysis can come out. Because suddenly you're awake and paralyzed while you hallucinate and process emotions. Often, this also comes with a racing heart, fear, and sometimes even a feeling of impending death or doom. The sensation can last a few seconds to a few minutes. Those seconds and minutes can feel like a long time when you're scared out of your wits. No wonder people around the world have mistaken sleep paralysis for demonic attacks. The good news is that sleep paralysis is usually harmless. It's simply a temporary snafu in the sleep-wake brain system that fails to transition you completely from sleep to wake. If it only happens rarely to you, you don't need to worry. But for some people, sleep paralysis is more frequent. They're more prone to it or more at risk for it than the average person. So who are these people and why are they more prone to sleep paralysis? Let's start with narcolepsy, a sleep-wake disorder that is rare and complicated, but primarily it disrupts a person's ability to stay awake. And sleep paralysis can be one of the symptoms. And along with sleep paralysis, narcolepsy often also comes with hallucinations when you're falling asleep. This is called hypnagogic hallucinations. Suddenly falling asleep or losing muscle tone during the day and having poor nighttime sleep quality. If you experience these symptoms along with being just really sleepy, you should ask your doctor for a referral to a sleep study. Another group of people who are prone to sleep paralysis is people with anxiety and trauma-related disorders, including panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety, or death anxiety. And having experienced trauma or having post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, also can make you more likely to have sleep paralysis. And interestingly, being a college student makes you four times more likely to have sleep paralysis too. It's not clear whether this is because people in their teens and 20s are more prone to sleep paralysis just in and of themselves, or because students have lifestyles that make sleep paralysis more likely. For example, students are more likely to pull all-nighters studying or partying, have periods of high stress, they may binge drink or use recreational drugs, all of which can disrupt sleep and cause sleep paralysis. All right, so we've already talked about what sleep paralysis is and how it's related to REM sleep and how it's really just the brain not making a full transition from REM to wake. And we've talked about people who may be more likely to have sleep paralysis, like those with narcolepsy, anxiety or trauma-related disorders, or college students. Now, what can we do to prevent sleep paralysis? What can we do to improve our sleep in this sense? Well, first of all, if you have a medical or psychiatric disorder that makes sleep paralysis more likely, such as narcolepsy, anxiety disorder, the ones we've already mentioned, take care of those first. Get those assessed and treated. But if you don't have one of these disorders or you're already getting treated, but you still experience sleep paralysis pretty frequently, it may be due to general disruptions to your sleep. Now, here's what to do to improve your sleep in general and see if that takes care of it. Number one, keep a consistent sleep-wake schedule and just generally get enough sleep. 
Often, sleep paralysis happens because you've either been sleep-deprived or your sleep schedule has been really messed up. This may be due to a phenomenon called REM rebound. So remember REM, that type of sleep where we're immobile but dreaming? Well, it turns out the brain really likes the stage of sleep. It's doing a lot of memory consolidation, emotion regulation. So the brain really wants to have enough REM. So if you're regularly deprived of REM, your brain is going to try hard to make up the deficit by jumping to REM more quickly than usual and producing more intense brain activity. This makes it more likely for you to have an incomplete transition between REM and wake and therefore more likely to have a sleep paralysis. This REM rebound can happen when you're just not getting enough sleep consistently or your circadian rhythm is thrown off by something like jet lag or shift work or often simply not sticking to a regular sleep-wake schedule. So start by deciding on a consistent time you can get up each morning and that's including weekends with no more than an hour's wiggle room to sleep in, let's say, on weekends and set an alarm for that time. Get up with the alarm, even if you didn't sleep well that night, and go to bed in the evening when you're feeling sleepy. After a few days or maybe a couple of weeks of staying consistent with this wake-up time, your body will adjust and make you sleepy at around the same time every night. Now, of course, this kind of reset button to get your sleep back on track will only work if you're avoiding doing something too stimulating, like playing a violent video game before bedtime. In addition to sleeping well in general, try to practice relaxation or meditation, and that's tip number two. According to one recent study, relaxing the body and mind may reduce or even eliminate sleep paralysis. This is based on the idea that sleep paralysis and panic symptoms form a vicious cycle in the moment that you're having one because you wake up paralyzed, so you feel scared, So your heart pounds harder, which is already a symptom of sleep paralysis, and the harder your heart pounds, the more scared you feel. So in this moment, shifting your attention away from the frightening hallucinations and body sensations will interrupt the cycle and get you back to relaxed sleep, or at least make sleep paralysis a little less scary. The technique involves having some pleasant internal thing to focus on during a sleep paralysis episode, such as a nice memory or a nice body sensation that you can imagine, and you can try to relax your muscles while thinking about this. This brings the relaxation system, the parasympathetic system, online and dampens the sympathetic system or the fight-or-flight system. And in addition to having a relaxation practice and good sleep, it's also really important to limit alcohol and drugs and review your medications with your doctor. And that's tip number three. There are some medications that disrupt sleep, including many antidepressant medications and medications prescribed for insomnia. Other substances, such as alcohol, may also disrupt sleep and contribute to REM rebound. Generally, it's a good idea to minimize alcohol and recreational drugs, especially in the evenings. And it's also worth reviewing your medications with your doctor to see if one of them may be the culprit here. But what if none of this works? What if you're treating your anxiety disorder and you're doing well with that and you're sleeping well, you're limiting drugs and alcohol, and you're trying hard to practice relaxation, 
But sleep paralysis just stays in your life and is a consistent part of your nighttime experience. It may have to come to tip number four, which is to get cognitive behavioral therapy for recurrent isolated sleep paralysis. This is what it means. If you frequently experience sleep paralysis, but you don't have consistently poor sleep, narcolepsy, medications that disrupt REM, you may have recurrent isolated sleep paralysis, or RISP. That just means that sleep paralysis is a big part of your experience more than it should be, and there's no clear reason for it. In this case, you may want to look into cognitive behavioral therapy. This involves a few sessions of skills-based psychotherapy where you learn techniques for disrupting the sleep paralysis episode in the moment, along with relaxation, skills for coping with hallucinations, daytime imagery practice, and healthy ways to think about sleep paralysis attacks that don't feed into the experience and instead interrupts the experience. Sleep is supposed to be a sweet, relaxing experience. So it's not only frightening but frustrating to have it interrupted by something like sleep paralysis. But now you know it's not anything supernatural or conspiratorial, nothing to be afraid of in and of itself. Just make sure to practice good sleep habits, hone your relaxation skills, and make sure to limit substances that could be messing up your sleep. And if sleep paralysis happens again, you can cope with the scary sensations by focusing on a pleasant memory or object or your own body. When you fully wake up, shake it off, chalk it up to your brain playing with the boundaries between sleep when wake and being a little loosey-goosey with it, and then you can marvel, like I do every day, at what a profound mystery the human brain is. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know if you have any questions about sleep paralysis or anything else to do with sleep or mental health. Let's continue the conversation on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Jade Wu PhD and at QDT Savvy Psych. You can also keep in touch with the Savvy Psychologist newsletter where we deliver psychology tips straight to your inbox. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thanks again for joining me, and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called The Anxiety Coaches Podcast, where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly, packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast.com because healing begins the first time you listen.